This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, we'll buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turn to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of art, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art in art again, with our open discussion segment where we ask, yeah, but is it art, or how the show has evolved, uh, where is the art going and more specifically today, what is the value of art? So there's no theses, no gems. We will need a little history lesson, which I'll dive into later. But before we get there, let's meet our guest. To hash things out, I'm again joined by one of our top contributors, Miss Alexander Parsons of alexanderparsons.com. Welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. You know, what's crazy, guys, is uh, this segment today came onto our, our radar in... Uh, at the end of 2022, uh, or the third quarter, about, it, it was around October. And I actually, so when this uh, subject matter came in to our orbit, I immediately texted, do you remember that, Allie? I texted mm -hmm. Alexandra yeah. immediately. I was like, oh my God, oh my fucking God, we got to do a show about this. And she was like, yeah, yeah, totally. Now we, we had, we already had a schedule. We had bookings, we're very professional. But finally, now that we have a minute, we're going to talk about it. So here is that background. Here's that little history lesson before we go into the topic at hand. So in the fall of 2022, approximately in October, UK climate activists called Just Stop Oil through tomato soup at Van Gogh's Sunflowers in London's National Gallery. And then they glued their hands to the wall. So this was clearly a publicity stunt to draw attention to problems with the fossil fuel industries, particularly how it affects the climate, obviously, and renewable energy options and the, the cost of the living crisis in the UK. Now, 
why I wanted to talk about it. So now they went on to do other things. They, um, I think weeks later, another group called Last Generation threw mashed potatoes at Monet's grain stacks for similar publicity. And they they went, they did this for weeks on end until the end of 2022, targeting artworks uh, for global resonance, right? You know, uh, hoping to get notable names and paintings to garner more publicity. And it did just that. And I thought what was crazy, so... Before I go into uh, the first topic and bring Miss Parsons back into the conversation, you know, they did other things. They would uh, glue themselves or, uh, you know, actually go to the factories, the oil factories. They would uh, lay down in very public uh, transportation, bridges and squares and gambits. And like they did a lot of other things. But the only thing that made international news, and this is why we're talking about it today, was their publicity stunt with the art so that brings us to our first question which we already know the answer to and that is what they kept asking with these publicity stunts what is worth more art or life now of course we fucking know the answer to that life is more important but the awareness they made from all these publicity stunts started to do something to me to my mind it it started to sprout like all these profound questions and philosophical ideals and what are we doing and i thought oh my god we do really need to talk about this because i want to start with this this is going to be we're going to you know what is worth more art or life we're going to start with the art before we get to the life so we already kind of know the answer to that but i want to ask uh so i'm going to tee you up miss parsons by asking you this question why do you think of all the publicity stunts they did, why do you think the attack on the art pieces got the most recognition? Great question. <laughs> um, well, I think because think about how many people visit museums every day. Yeah. I think they did the numbers and saw how much, especially in the UK, um, how much government money and grants go to the museums. So they probably figured like, this is not fair. Like, if they're going to get this grant money, like we should be able to get money or we should be able to get the same type of attention. This is the world we're talking about. Like the foundation of this entire museum wouldn't be able to stand if there was no planet. Um, so I think that the amount of like people taking videos and cameras, like if I, if it was me and mm -hmm. I was in charge of this group and I'd be like, well, where can I go that, you know, there's always people filming and taking pictures and it's a big tourist attraction. Oh, the Louvre, like, mm. or oh, like the Met Museum. There's hundreds of people there from all over the place, not just in New York, from all over the world. So of course that's gonna like go viral. Uh, it's actually really smart if you think about it in that aspect. I mean, there are other places they could have gone. Now this was planned. What's cr we have to add this now? Part of the history of these. Um, I'm gonna. I'm. I don't want to call them attacks like the media does. I will call them publicity stunts. Is they specifically targeted pieces that were shielded, so mm -hmm. nothing actually happened. So the the tomato soup never actually landed on the piece. It landed on the glass in front of it. Yeah, a lot of people potatoes, don't know that. Right, the mashed potatoes never landed on the piece. It landed in the glass in front of it. So none none of these pieces actually got damaged, but they got more more headlines they got international headlines and this is how i thought about it i like your perspective that it was they were targeting it for uh for the obvious that for just that they knew that <laughs> they were gonna get international headlines from this over the their other stunts they're gonna do but then i thought i started to ask myself why 
why why are we getting so much coverage on this and not the other stuff they're doing to raise awareness for climate change? Mm -hmm. And I think it taps into a fundamental human condition of ours. It taps into humanity. And this is why, is because when people attack, and now I'll use the word attack, when people attack art, they are attacking their very culture. I think when 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 you think of some of our favorite pieces, so like if you're thinking of New York's MoMA and all the pieces that, you know, came from some of our uh, Pollock or something, all of mm-hmm. all of these amazing artists that were uh, born, resident, braid, bred in the U.S., and they started attacking those pieces, I would feel personally insulted because that is innately our culture at the same time. So that's that's where I kind of went with it in my head was like why why is it getting so much recognition? I think this was personally insulting the culture of those people. No, that makes a lot of sense cuz I was thinking about that when I was doing some research about like oh I I treasure I love museums. Like I love I was annoyed when I first saw that. I was like, oh, God, this is annoying. This is like a publicity stunt. <laughs> There's like better ways. And I've, I've asked a couple friends. Oh, a lot of people said that too. A lot of people like in the the know-how or they're running these places are like, There's so many better ways to do this. But we're literally, you know, I feel like they did raise awareness on a, le- on a level we weren't expecting because we're doing it right now. We're talking about it. And I kind of see their point. And it kind of shows our generation, uh, of this, our society right now with like, how quick they are to believe things instead of doing research like with tiktok and instagram so some of my friends are like oh it's annoying that destroyed artwork like don't destroy artwork i'm like they actually didn't destroy it they're like oh really i was like yeah so you could tell people are just going with what they see because our attention span is so minimal these days because of social media (laughs) so yeah like i know and so i think that like once people like oh actually wasn't destroyed and then when i found that i was like oh Okay, well, that's good. They're not total assholes. And um, I started listening to some interviews and like their point and their perspective. And yeah, I agree that like this could have been done. There could be other ways. But the point is, is like this was the most uh, they got the most bang for their buck on this one. This was the most effective. So let's uh, let's actually switch gears a little bit because Mm -hmm. I want to now uh, transition from the art into indeed how it affects life. So, because their argument, so all these all these activists' argument, you know, and why they chose this, and some of the other things was the hypocrisy of it all, the irony of spending all this fucking money on mm-hmm. housing these great works of art when we don't even spend a fraction of taxes and things like that on ourselves or on the planet that houses us. And when I really started to think about it, I was like, oh my God, they're kind of, they're kind right. of right. Yeah. Because we are seeing, you know, dramatic, progressive global warming, climate change. So they're absolutely right. And there is a hypocrisy to this because I couldn't, I think, I, I believe you ran some of the numbers that mm-hmm. the the numbers are staggering and we can't even take care of ourselves. Speak a little to that. Yes. So there is a difference between the amount where the funding comes from in the U.S. and the U.K. Uh, but one of my favorite museums in New York is the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And it's mm. about 
how big is it? It's like 2.2 million square feet. It's not even the largest. Think about like how much the electricity bill is on that. Like I like, Oh my god. Yeah. Like that's what I, that's where my brain was going. I'm like, okay, let's think about the numbers. Like, Put a pin about- into that, people, because I I want to I want to piggyback off of that, like specific electricity and energy. But yeah, and the going. Louvre, the Louvre is the biggest. So the Met's not even the biggest. It's one of the biggest. I think it's number three. Um, you can clearly you can Google and find out the biggest ones, and it's really nice. Actually, show you like around the museum and stuff virtually. But anyway, that's I side I digress. But <laughs> I digress. <laughs> I digress. But um it's so everybody knows about the Met Gala, right? Like how that's oh, yeah. like thirty five thousand a ticket. Mm. Thirty five thousand dollars a car. Yep, I go every year. A ticket <laughs> for people to go. Um unless I think you're jump yeah, change. Pretty, yep. Jump change, Easy. right? Yep. For jump a change. seat. Yep. And that money just goes alone goes to um like the costume department because their annual budget for the Met is like 300 million, but 70% of their budget, approximately 70% goes to salary and benefits. So only like, if I'm doing my math correctly, only a fourth of that is left to pay for like bills and like housing the artwork and like keeping up maintenance. So that may, what is that? Maybe like 200 million or something like that. Or no, no, sorry, like if 300 million, 70%, so I don't know, like 100 million is like left? I don't know. I'm <laughs> don't, not going to math. Don't worry <laughs> about the math. Please metrics. don't. Don't, don't, don't judge worry me. About, yeah, don't worry about the metrics. We're not in math class. But out of 300 million, the point a, quarter, is, yeah. a quarter is left for, so you whoever does the math. Yeah. And, um, but the money that they get, like, the money that the uh, in the U.S. a lot of museums get is not usually from grants. It's from memberships and people coming in and outside fundraisers and stuff. But in the U.K., it's different. It's actually the United Government does it. And like, there's about I think it says the revenue. Yeah, it's free to everybody. Yeah, it's like it's like a it's a um, a national mandate on museums and art is like everyone should be able to see it but we're still paying for it through our taxes so to speak yeah and so like in britain museum where right was the, isn't this where they threw the this was in england right it was in london london so it yeah. says there it's like 49 percent of the income for, is from government grant funding and then um the other income comes from donations and leg um legis- 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 <laughs> my le- legislation <laughs> Something like that, and charitable activities, t- like twelve percent is trading activities, and then there's one percent investment. So getting really like technical right now, but oh, uh, I, love I could, it. I, I, love could it. I could see why in England that's where more of the we don't we don't we haven't really seen it. Our economist protests. Alexander Parsons. I used and to read. I used to read <laughs> the Economist magazine. I, I love it. I love it. Uh, I just. I like statistics. I like numbers. No, oh, oh, God. Let's we'll we'll nerd out one day on yeah. on statistics. Uh, maybe maybe after the show. Don't maybe, make me do math though. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 get away from the metrics a little bit and get more to the qualitative values because I want to bring it back to the hypocrisy because yeah. Uh, now these UK activists specifically used um, tomato soup because they wanted to talk about. The fact that they are spending all of this money on other things and not the people or the planet because they went through an energy crisis last year and they couldn't even afford Mm. heating up those soup cans because they like so charitable 
donation centers were giving everyone and the poor soup specifically, but the irony was they didn't even have the energy to heat up that soup to Ugh. eat. They would just eat it, you know, raw, cold. Oh and my they thought, right, they thought, like, what are we fucking doing? And they didn't even talk about, did they even cover that in the media? Yeah, no. well, they did for like, you know, the, the deep dive kind of research we do. So like the reference materials and the reading materials we do, I, I found mm-hmm. that stuff, hence me talking about it. But a lot of the, the yeah, the, the big names, the big media was, you know, focusing on the attack itself. Like this is wrong, you know, and then they, and then they would hash that out. This is wrong. There's better ways to do it, yada, yada. And then I, but that's when I was starting to think like, man, we got to talk about this on our show because I'm like, is is there? I mean, they, they this is a David and Goliath situation, mm-hmm. and they did raise enough awareness to make people. You know, if I'm thinking about it, there's got to be a number of high high level executives or whoever that are really starting to think differently about these things because it really is true that you know it's almost like self sabotage. That's where I want to kind of take the conversation a little bit uh, because I'm. I want to understand, you know, philosophically speaking, why we do this. Part of it is we can't see the problems of climate change in real time. It's not a tangible tree that fell on the roof kind of Mm -hmm. thing. You know, we can study it with the going back to our economists. We can study it through the stats. We can see the rising, you know, sea levels and all the things. And we know that it's coming, but we don't do anything about it. And I feel like that was profound to think about how much they were right and how much change we really do need at the heart of this. Because why do we need museums when there's no people left to see them? That's not how but that's not how these hoity toity art collectors and and classism, that's just not how they look at things. Do you think it's self sabotage? Do you think this is part of the human condition? Because we all do it a little bit to ourselves on minor levels, but this is a global international level so you're of- saying we're self-sabotaging like the people that are giving the donations to the money and we're self-sabotaging that we are not focusing on the real problem at hand that i i do actually agree with these activists that it because at the end of the day it really doesn't matter to do these paintings do these you know as much as you know we have a whole show about this we love the art world, the art community. We mm-hmm. want it to grow forever. And that's going to lead us a little bit into the one of the, the final questions I have for this discussion, which kind of combines both elements of the concept of, of art in conjunction with life itself and vice versa. But before we get there, I want to try to dissect and hash out uh, why we do this to ourselves. That you know, I don't, it could doesn't be, matter. It, it could do be these self- paintings matter? It could, yeah, I think they matter, but like, is it self sabotage? I mean, we've been, I don't, I don't know if it's like, obviously, we're never, people aren't usually aware of or conscious that they're doing self sabotage, but I mean, maybe it's the wrong verbiage. Maybe but it's that you, we are not, uh, we are not taking it seriously enough and it's only getting worse, but we're just like, ah, the next generation will take care of it. I mean, I think it just has to do with money at the end of the day. Like they're not seeing, like they're not gonna get, like I'm gonna get mine, I'm gonna get mine in my lifetime, I'm gonna be rich, who cares about future generations, let the world die. They get these these donators and stuff, the people that donate, um, they could get massive like tax write-offs, you know, but like. So it is like there is a selfishness on one end of it. Most, I I think so. The art world is very 
is ex- like <laughs> snobby and very snobby and, and I, elite, I, an elite there is elitist. an elitism to it like and i Absolutely. remember when i was younger and uh my sister's um good friend and boyfriend for a long time and he was also my tutor mike white he's a really amazing artist and mural painter in miami and he he's he's a He's Jamaican. He's like, he's probably 60s, 50s now. But like he uh, back then, he told me he's like, yeah, something that I want you to learn because you're an artist is that like these very wealthy, especially white people (laughs) love to like showcase the poor artists. They love to have Mm. this this uh, mentality like they're helping out that's how they're helping out like oh look at my artist oh, yeah. like, everyone like, loves their the little mythology doll. of the struggling artist that's a genius the white right? savior like kind yeah. of thing and then if you kind of start connecting the dots and maybe i'm going to go really out there is that oh do like, it do it these artists that create those paintings that were housing were really poor most of them like uh, yeah. the majority of them like so there's only a few I that actually Pollock as an example he was famously in poverty making these pieces that eventually went on to Again, the value of his pieces today are sold in the millions and millions for the elite. I think Matisse and Picasso were only the artists actually, very few artists, but they were one of the few artists actually at that time were making money off their artwork. They mm, actually- Like in their because, lifetime. In their lifetime where other artists, like they were dirt poor. Like, And um, then you, it, it, so there is like this, well, that makes sense. Like it's, it's so interesting. There is like an irony behind it. It's housed in these beautiful buildings that oh are God. like absolutely yeah. stunning. And it's also like spiritually and like mentally, if you go into these museums, they represent so much more than just like we're housing artwork. It also represents like the human psyche of like what we've created. And since the beginning of time, since we've been able, not beginning of time, but since we've been <laughs> able to do architecture, like, you know, and they re- we were able to display our great wealth, like as yeah. far as like our great wealth or like yeah. how artistic we are. We were able to house these things for the longest time. So I don't see this changing anytime soon. Oh, no, no, no. This And, and you made a point that goes back to my original point. Yeah, this is not going to change anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And that we are <laughs> we are living through the beginning of hopefully a transitionary period. Uh, but we're we're probably at the birth of it, and yeah, for all of the all of the museums and the beautiful museums, and we'll we still love them. We st- I've always wanted to work for a museum. Like I Ooh, would have to get my I master's in museum studies, and mainly because like in the education world too, it's like it's really really a place where it's. an education haven for the minds of like the young and the generation next generation like so many field trips to go in there and kids are learning about history and adults are learning so it's not just like a visual playground but it's also it's a expansion of our own mind and how we can learn from the past that was my point is that you were touching on my very first uh my very first argument or topic which was why why was it so important? And because you're touching on the fact that these museums are us, right? And so yeah. when people threw tomato soup and mashed potatoes at these things, they were throwing it in our faces. So you're you're making the same point, I think, because they are. I think they're fundamentally uh, human. Because I, um, it reminds us why we are so different and unique, right? Things mm-hmm. like this is what separates us from the animals. I totally get that. Yeah. But 
if we don't have an opportunity to continue to live, what does it really matter? Well, the bigger picture, the bigger picture, of That's course. That's where I felt like it got profound. Because yes, here in the now, and do I think things are going to change dramatically in the near future? No, probably not even in our lifetimes. I think to start talking about the happy ending to all of this, you know, that's what we like to do on our show. AOTB is start with the the stuff that's a little more divisive, but uh, try to find a happy ending. I do think eventually we will wake up. I think that things like this, you know, they're throwing rocks at the door to break open that door and it's just rocks right it's gonna take a a long time to break open that steel door but eventually they'll do it you have to chip away and i do think that there will be a future that looks a little brighter for what these activists are trying to achieve right now not so much but eventually yes well maybe in the uk they're just gonna have to start doing i mean nothing is just black and white right like, oh god it's, no yeah it's, gray. it's so complicated it's, it's so complicated everything is complicated right so whether when someone asks you like do you think they're right or wrong i'm like well i mean it's I not there i will say it i think they're right after doing research i think they're right but i also think that i mean we can say that about so many companies that oh, yeah. like there's hypocrisy we're talking about the activists though right i think they're right you know their their point ultimately. Yeah, but and I'm saying them choosing to do it at museums. I understand why they did it, but there's so many other places that like even like I don't know why don't you? I guess they wouldn't get that much people there, like a to, like um tobacco place or like I don't know. Well, well that's, that's the thing. That's why I talked about it in the in the uh, the the history uh, segment. Where yeah, they have done other ones. They have done other publicity stunts where they went to the factories or they mm-hmm. went to the smokehouses or the what whatever. Yeah, it wouldn't. Nobody cared. Everybody cares about this though. If they did, yeah. I mean, if it, it makes sense. So as we were talking about it more, I kind of like I'm like, okay, yeah. So there are other places that they could have done this, but they already have. And they did a lot of street stuff, right? Where they like glued themselves to the street. They didn't glue themselves to the street. They would just literally like on the busiest, you know, let's say the, I don't know the name of it, but I I saw screenshots of it and videos of like the busiest highway, like in London. I'm not sure if they call them highways over there, but they literally just laid down in a road to stop traffic for awareness for the climate. And people were just like moving, like, like manhandling them out of the way. It was kind of sad, but um, you know, you know, little stunts like that. It was okay. You know, they had enough videos of it and part of that went viral, but not like this, not like major news publications covering it left and right like i sent i sent uh ali a different podcast for reference i sent her news articles i mean it was literally everywhere and they're just Mm kind of getting started to the point where parliament over there is changing laws to stop them i'm like man they fucking put a dent in this they they made someone pissed off at the top but they're they're changing laws to stop them but not to make a difference and like maybe taking funding somewhere else and helping right yeah it's it's kind of fucked up yeah yeah, it's and it goes back to that elite that elitism Elitism. and the Mm -hmm. stuff of like and them not caring enough you know because like why would they do you know like they're not hurting anybody this is non-violent protests and but they're still saying oh we're gonna change our laws to make sure that we can prosecute these people that's so that's so and then that in and of itself is kind of hype uh, hypocritical uh, hi- yeah there's yeah. hypocrisy just in that and hyperbole um and that actually makes me now this isn't art related but it made me think about again um, 
trying to put a little bit of a positive spin on this and looking at the hap, you know, the happy ending that I think will be in the future. And that has to do with uh, the UK again. And that has to do with the, the Royal family, the, uh, the, the monarchy, mm-hmm. because people were making the same argument, especially since just in the last year, the queen passed away, you know? And yes, is that, is that in and of itself sad? Of course, you know, we don't want the people dying or, or sad, but I think what it stood for made people think because they are, I think it's eight pence to every person. Like that's the tax to make sure that the monarchy can still live in this extreme wealth. And it made me, so this whole topic made me think of that too. I'm like, why are we still giving money to these fucking just regular human oh beings that are no better than me or you? Have you ever watched The Crown? I haven't, but it it's, not, it's on in, my list. It's on it my It goes queue. into that a lot. Like they talk about, like the family talks about like, what do you mean that you guys want to cut our spending? Like it was like, It's the same thing though, right? Like very the, delusioned the out of that people touch. People that are paying to keep them in that extreme level of wealth can't even heat their homes. Yeah, it's it's it, there needs to be a a, ba- a balance and unfortunately but there is I guess there, that's my point again. There was a sea change last year. We saw we saw the first break. I, I call it the beginning of the end to my wife. Well, we saw um, Meghan Markle and Harry mm-hmm. be like, yeah, we don't want to be royalty anymore. And they just kind of like quit. And I was like, good for you, motherfucker. <laughs> look, yeah. mother- look at this ginger over here, like doing this <laughs> shit. I was very proud of them because they were like, one, I kind of get it. They're like, they can't live regular lives. You know, we've talked about this in our other shows where part of my fear of <laughs> part of my part of my fear of putting myself out there is extreme fame where like mm-hmm. I can't even go to like fucking you know the store without being mobbed by people I don't think that'll ever happen to us but yeah. that happens to them and that's part of the reason they're like you know what I don't want to do this anymore like putting words in their mouth I don't really know what they're thinking but I think they thought it a little bit if I had to guess mm-hmm. that they're like this is fucking hypocritical and why well, I'm no better than any of these people I don't really want this extreme fame anymore, even though they're still using it for like book deals and like talkings. Uh, and they're yeah. kind of still there, which is again, it's it's um, all of these all of these situations deal with, um, you know, this cognitive dissonance of like, mm-hmm. we know it's wrong, but we still do it kind of thing. Yeah, uh, we're, we're seeing that everywhere. But I just thought it was a good parallel. It's not artistic, right? The the monarchy or I guess the crown is it's a TV show about them. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we could tie it. We're, we're stretching a little bit. We can tie it in. Uh, the point is, is that uh, we see this in a lot of walks of life. And that was just another example of what these climate activists were are complaining about. They're complaining about the fact that we um, we don't understand why all of this money is being focused on this one thing, on this one tiny family, and we are all suffering. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where that's those kind of questions were more profound to me than them just throwing fucking super mashed potatoes at a painting. I like that they glued their hand to the wall too, because it to me the way I, I don't know. I think they might have said this, but. I liked it because like as human beings, we are the work of art because without us, like you said before, there would be no paintings. There are no exactly. artists and we art need to balance humanity. And they're not saying, I even heard some interviews with people like, we're not saying to demolish museums. We're not saying to get rid of these artists and we're not destroying the artwork. We're saying that like, we need to focus our priorities yeah. on things on the big term. the wealth, you know? Yeah. And, 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 
unfortunately, like, and they have, I, uh, I agree with you. And I think my perception has changed a little bit more, even yeah. since the beginning of our conversation that I do think they're, they're in the right. And I think that it's actually kind of a brilliant yeah. publicity thing because we're when talking you, about it right now. Yeah. yeah. I was like, because I wrote in some of my notes, like, yeah, there's other places they could have done this. But like you said, they already have. And like, what other places could have? Like, like let's say that you and I created, a, like, you know, and like, well, there's a group that already did the museums. Like, what would, where would we go? Like, yeah, what, I don't like know. in America, like if you and I started our own, where would we get the most publicity and like create the most stir up or whatever? I don't I know. know. So, I don't like, know. That's a good question. I know it's fun to think about stuff like that. I don't know either. That's why, yeah, that's why we put it on this segment, and that something makes for me... our people, our listeners, to think about too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's gonna how that's definitely gonna ha- how we're gonna end our show today is just with that question. Before we get there, I do want to touch on. So we we went from the value of art in a way. Mm-hmm. And of course, the value of life. We know where obviously most people should stand with that question, but we we do we dove into each of them. And now I want to kind of end the conversation with the value of art in conjunction with life. Mm-hmm. Like kind of talk about both of them in a way, or vice versa, however you look at it. And it's through this. Now, when I think of when I think of the value of art, it's challenging to me because as we're evolving, it's constantly changing. And, you know, for example, we can't afford the original pieces of anything. So we get the prints of them, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm OK putting framing the the copy in my house because I have I now have that art in my life, in my world. I get to see it every day. And that's what's important to me, not the value. But then I started to think, well, what is the value? And that made me go back to these activists original argument because at the end of the day we're all going in one direction folks uh we can't take this shit with us we're all gonna die one day it's gonna get a little dark for a minute the universe is gonna die one day can't take the art with us so where does the value really stand because we're seeing it in small magnitudes with things like yeah in my example getting the print instead of the original it doesn't NFTs, matter NFTs, digital art exactly exactly that, that is stuff. the way that's the wave of the future our museums will probably be all virtual nfts that are just a digital representation of the painting or whatever uh, that the artist created are now being sold for millions of dollars. So we're already seeing that sea change there. And then that made me think, well, then what is the value? Why why are we still doing this? Because we already are seeing the sands of time shift and that we're seeing it not matter and that the value changes all the time. But then we're still having this problem. A very great question. So it's kind of the question that you had is is there a difference between like original artwork and its copy? That's exactly because um, I don't. And to as me, a, I think short well, answer is don't. Yeah, and I'm like the I'm the opposite. Ooh, okay. Let's and hash. I think yeah, let's have. So I think maybe not saying you are an artist, you're a writer, but like, and you're an artist on many levels. But I think it's hard um, for people <laughs> that aren't visual artists that aren't painters to kind of grasp that or if you don't or maybe you're like an art history major to grasp the understanding like it's a it it is a perception so i think art is a perception and how the collective idea more important than the physical the the physical manifestation of that idea i mean i just remember like to me personally like being in a museum and going to picasso and like looking at the Picasso work when I was younger 
when we used to go to when we used to make trips to New York all the time when I was a kid to visit family, we would go to the Met, and I always wanted to see Picasso because he was he, he was one of my favorites, and I would just get so emotional knowing that he did that brushstroke. So you felt more the experience of seeing the original was more profound to you than the than any print any day yeah because it's it's the artist and the energy that gets put into it and like they Mm. touched it and like there's some artwork that you could see the back of it where they started with another drawing like in i think in italy i saw that or the museums like you see where they started the drawing and then they flipped it over they flipped the canvas over because they didn't have the money to get more canvas and they redid it so they made the made it put it in a glass and they made it like you could see the back of it and the front of it and i thought oh man that's that's so awesome it's the process like and um another thing is why i don't know why i do but like i'm looking at my new yorker pictures that i have hanging up and those are to me they're not the copies you know how you could buy like copies of the new yorker uh covers and they're framed and stuff like i saved all my new yorkers and i ripped the covers off and i Mm. framed them so to me even though those are technically still copies they're originals because like those were originally delivered to my house those ones Mm. i touched and i read those have more emotional meaning to it because they're not just some copy in a store there's there is an exclusivity to it in my own mind. Absolutely. I think you're you're pointing at the fact that at the end of the day, the concept of value is always going to be ind- individually focused. It's an individual perception. And I agree with that. I think I, and this is why I think this is, again, just my opinion. It's definitely an individual thing is where yes, yeah. since I since I am always a progressive at heart and I'm always trying to not only live in the present, but live in the future uh, in, in a way. I find myself not, uh, the, the value of these things always has a shelf life. Since uh, you, you you mentioned that we are artists, we try, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and though I have written a few things and put some words on paper, um, I think my, my heart and soul always has lied in the fact that I think I'm a musician first. And why I, I'm saying that is to set up uh, the example I have, because, you know, when I grew up, it was it was CDs, you know, and I used to have boxes and boxes of all these CDs. And I just cherished, you know, all these amazing works of art and all this music. And then as, as once I started to get the digital versions and iTunes, iTunes became popular. And now mm-hmm. that version of that is Spotify and all the other streaming platforms. Um, about a year or two ago, I threw them all away. I just out mm-hmm. of the blue, I was like, I don't, why, why am I still holding on to these? I still have the art and other, and other platforms and other, and other versions of it. And I, I think I, that's where, that's why this question became profound to me. I was like, I've always found myself throwing away the past and mm-hmm. that it doesn't, it, it doesn't, I move on, you know, I've done that with almost everything thing in my life then i found new value in 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 new either new forms of the original thing or just the new things um so for me and i kind of get you know your perspective though i totally respect that Mm -hmm. that you know it's the same reason you know people hang on to family heirlooms right yeah you know at the end of the day it has emotional attachment exactly it has no other value to any other person but you and but for me i have always again, just 
created that weird kind of cognitive dissonance of like, you know, I take myself outside of myself. I'm good at that. You know, put myself in other people's shoes Mm -hmm. and say, this doesn't matter. Who cares? Let's let's move on. Let's move forward. And I think that's probably the difference between me and most people. A lot of a lot of Aries are very good at doing. Oh, that. oh, she brought it in. She brought <laughs> in the fact that I'm an Aries. We that's should true. do an astrology episode. That'd be fun. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> I like, don't know. No, thanks. <laughs> well, no, no. I'm always, you know, every every idea we have to put it on the table. I have to massage that one. We let's workshop. Let's <laughs> I've never workshop heard it before. Let's I have massage to massage. That. That. I have I mean, to massage that and put it into we, no, just exactly. Like how you, you remember when in, it, in Atlanta we say I got to marinate on it for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever saying, <laughs> yeah. You want, whatever colloquialism you that. want to use. Well, um, <laughs> that's a very corporate thing to say. Like, let's massage that idea. Uh, Never no heard vote. that before. But uh, oh, it's uh, first time for everything. Yeah. Back to what you were saying. Um, but yeah, but yeah, yeah I, I think value is uh, in, is individual, mm-hmm. and it can't change. And I think uh, uh, ultimately probably the point I was trying to make is if we put it in the right places, amazing things can happen. Yeah. And uh, and I'm going to focus on, not focus, but I'm going to bring back kind of what I loosely said, but it is a perception. Like, And Absolutely. it's like exactly kind of piggybacking, piggybacking, piggyback on piggybacking. what you're yeah. piggybacking on what you're saying about you throwing things out and not being attached to certain things and finding attachment towards new things. It is just... A perception and yes we can't take these things with us when we die that's the bigger picture and in buddhism it teaches us like you know attachment leads to all suffering and the world is suffering because we are very attached to everything so that, that reminds me of um how i'm obsessed obsessed with dualisms because um it reminds me of how fascinating life is when you really get get down to examining it and analyzing mm-hmm. it because oh, i love that yeah, i can do it all day yeah because everything you know just like this you know in connection to this art conversation it can't you can't see both that everything matters and nothing matters nothing matters yeah exactly at the same time it's such it's, an abstract it's always thing a par- it's always the world is a paradox yeah it, it's a constant paradox and when you come to terms with it now we're getting very philosophical Ooh, let's do when it. we when we get to terms with it you'll find more peace in your life absolutely like it's, it's the friction it's the fighting against one idea to the next you have when to you're find o- your own purpose when you're yeah when you're okay with when you're at peace with being right and wrong about everything you'll be much happier in life <laughs> <laughs> there you go i think that's a good place to say guys thank you for listening a little of everything what do you guys think we'd love to hear from you um you know tweet at a uh, meet us at a museum <laughs> after this <laughs> our office hours at, at at your favorite museum we'll meet you there you know but we would love to hear what you guys think because yeah what i think that's the best way to end this conversation is now asking mm-hmm. all of you what is worth more art or life Again, thank you guys for listening. And of course, I want to thank my guest, Miss Parsons. And Miss Parsons, we did it. I haven't heard a fucking drill the whole I goddamn know. So, show. Let's tell the good yeah. people. Now that we made it, let's tell the good people. Our tell, so secret. due to climate change and like global warming. <laughs> Case in um, point. Atlanta. So for some people, you know, I don't live in New York anymore. So some people might get confused, but I live in Atlanta, Georgia and Grant Park area. A very, very nice place. Um, my family lives over here now. And 
we had the fucking weirdest weather where it was literally eight degrees or with the windshield, it was like negative three during Christmas. And then it was 60 degrees a week later. And it was like, right, like, like a, like, um, like not tsunami, like, um, what do you call them? Anyway, it's just torrential downpour. And I got flooding in my apartment. Um, it luckily didn't hit any furniture, but it was like, um, the cracks because I live on a floor level also basement level it's like more basement Mm. level apartment so the people who own the house have people drilling and fixing more of the foundation which they said they already did fix they spent thousands of dollars and now they had to come back and there was a lot of drilling on us in our pre-show but it's been really quiet yeah we oh my god guys you can't i mean well i was dreading that we would actually hear it because of course it would interrupt the show and be annoying to you guys as you were listening i'd have to edit it completely out but i mean it was so loud i it was it was a hard buzz sound that yeah. I could hear perfectly through the, her mic. It actually did get loud for a minute while you were talking in the beginning, and I just paused my mic. Oh, so I turned nice. my mic off so you didn't hear it. And then it kept getting farther. I think they're moving on the other side of the Pro house tip. or something. She's yeah. not a rookie anymore. She's a master, guys. So Look at this. Mute my mic till it's ready for me to talk, and then I unmuted it, and it's, it was it was stopped moving. Look yeah, at this badass over here <laughs> while her moves. I now, try. now tell the good people. How to get a hold of you if they um, need you for all your services. I would love some more followers on my Instagram. So if people can click the follow up. and like, it's Alexandra Subscribe. underscore Parsons. I'm adding more artwork and paintings and um, some more reels and stuff. So that or if you want to see all the fashion stuff I've done mm. and all my artwork, you can go to my portfolio website, which is alexandraparsons.com. And um, but if you go to Instagram, you can also get a link to my Etsy's on there and you can buy all my little goodies and eco-friendly, sustainable items I make. I was there was a part of me. I'm not going to lie. There was a part of me that kind of wanted to hear the drilling so we could talk about it and pull it into the show and make fun of it. Yeah. But I'm really glad we it went off without a hitch and you used you. You, you busted out your pro tip moves, <laughs> your, your pro, your professional podcasting moves and just would mute yourself. I think it's just all the zoom, the zoom days. You're used to it. Yeah. Us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, guys, thanks. Thanks again for listening. You know how to get a hold of us. You've heard it a million times with other shows. Novadayproductions.com at underscore Novo underscore day at Nova Day Media. Do all the things like subscribe. You know what to do. If you'd like to be on the show, reach out to us at NovaDayMedia at gmail.com. And until next time, be good to each other. And as always, good luck and Godspeed. We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by Novo Day Productions. Created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective. Facebook.com slash Novo Day Media at Novo Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company. Facebook.com slash ACO Music 123. ACO on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J E S T U S, of thejusticecompany.com. And executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved.